because we're going to be intentional about our growing, okay? Hello, hello, family. Welcome to Build Your Faith. It's your girl, Amaria, and I am super happy for you to be tuning in to this episode today. I want you to know that this is to help you build your faith and grow in your relationship with God. You are not doing this alone at all. We got you over here. And so before I begin, I want you to know and remember to please like, share, comment, subscribe, leave a review on any social media or podcasting platform where Build Your Faith is present to help build your faith grow and to reach someone that is struggling in their faith that needs encouragement as well. And so without further ado, let's just jump into today's episode. So guys, I'm super excited because we actually have a special guest with us today, Ms. Jordan DeVoe. And honestly, Jordan, I am super excited for this conversation. Every time Jordan speaks, guys, she drops gems, literally. So I know you're going to enjoy this episode as she teaches, as we discuss, and as hopefully you're taking notes. Um, But uh, yeah, we're going to really get into this episode with Jordan. So Jordan, hey. Oh, hi. I'm so excited to be here. Um, Build your faith. I've been watching from afar and you guys are just doing phenomenal things. My name is Jordan DeVoe. I am a senior at Towson University, which is right outside of Baltimore, Maryland. I am a human dignity advocate, civil communicator, and lifelong learner, I'll say, um, are my three things. I'm sure in the bio, it'll say stuff that I do, but I hope to be that person in those spaces that I occupy. Um, And lover of Jesus is always um, wrapped up in all of those other things. So I hope that that translates through our conversation today. Thank you. Thank you for um, highlighting a few things. And so we'll get right into the conversation for today. So um, for those of you who may not know, Jordan actually has a podcast as well, um, Agape Answers. And I was kind of inspired by her title for this conversation. And so what is agape? What is agape? And what is the true meaning of agape? And so I just want to have this conversation just to give people more of an insight of what this actually means, especially because that's the name of your podcast. And if you want to actually talk about why you decided to call it Agape Answers, that would be cool. So you could go ahead. Oh, of course. I love this. I love this. Um, The first church that I ever attended that I can remember was Agape AME Church in Gaithersburg, Maryland. It was a really small church. Um, me and my brothers were the youth ministry for a very long time because it was just, you know, very family-oriented, small church. Um, but on the uh, back wall of the sanctuary, it says the Church of God's Unconditional Love. And that was my first exposure to the word agape. Um, but as I've gotten older, my understanding of what agape is um, has really developed, whether it be in like philosophy classes, learning about eros or phileo versus um, other forms of love. Agape love to me is countercultural because it's self-sacrificial and it's not conditional. And I think that as much as we would love to say that our love for our family or our friends is unconditional, I think that we wouldn't be being truly honest with ourselves because I think the only true model of that agape love that is unconditional in its truest sense is God's love for us. Um, So God's self-sacrificing, unconditional 
far-reaching, wide, all-encompassing love for humanity is what agape love is. Um, And why I called the podcast that, um, well, I guess I would have to say why the podcast was conceived at all. Um, And that is to speak to the questions um, that a lot of young believers are experiencing. And to be clear, as the host, I am not positioning myself as the answerer of any of those questions, Um, but instead I welcome in um, clergy um, men and women, um, clergy people that I respect um, to speak to those things. And the thesis of the entire gathering is sharing those answers um, in love and that same agape love. So that is why it's called Agape Answers. That's my experience with it. Um, And I could talk about God's love all day, but I think it's the one thing that God wants us to know most about him and his character. So yeah, that's a little bit about that. I love that. I love that. And I think for those of the people who are listening right now who may not know in depth what it means I know you mentioned a little bit but is there anything else that you would add or how would you explain to someone who has never heard the word has probably never been in a church how would you explain to them what agape actually means great question I think in the context of God's love for humanity it is like nothing we've we've ever seen before But the closest comparison I would reach for is a parent's love for a child. Um, I think that is the closest um, example that we have, assuming that that parent welcomes the position of being a co-creator with God that has to pour into this living thing. Um, Not every parent um, subscribes to that description, but just for the sake of the discussion, let's assume that. So if I was explaining this to someone who's never been to a church before, I would say um, a love that never runs out, a love that leaves 99 sheep to chase one sheep, which makes no sense to us, which does not calculate, does not compute when we try to explain it, when we try to understand it, but it just is. And I think that that love that never holds your your mistakes and your shortcomings over your head, it simply loves you and views you as this image of themselves, truly loving you as you love yourself. Um, I think that that and, and maybe that's even hard for people to, who don't love themselves, but I think loving someone like you would, like you are responsible for, for their welfare <laughs> and that you are, you are a personal stakeholder in their success. I think that is the kind of love that I'm, that I'm trying to reference in terms of like a parent structure, sorry, a parent structure. Um, But I think that that's probably the closest comparison, but I need whoever's listening to expand their idea of what you're trying to conceptualize because it's not how we view love in the world. It's not how we see love in the world. It's not how we've seen it modeled in media. It's not how we see it modeled on Valentine's day. None of that, none of that even directly correlates. It is a love that will 
give you my entire self, um, lay down my life for you in the most literal sense that you can understand that. I will endure capital punishment and excruciating pain for my love for you. I will do it over and over again because I love you so much. And I will do it knowing that you may not love me back. Um, Mm. And I think that that is what it is because if God loved the way that we did, we only express love when the probability of it being reciprocated is high enough for us to be comfortable with. Mm. But God knows that there's a large percentage of us that will not love him back and still did it. So I think that that's the example I would give someone who loves knowing that it may not come back and does it freely and cheerfully. I think Mm. that is the love that I would say. Um, You may even define it as a simp (laughs) if you're thinking about it in like today's terms, like, oh, wow, like that's really a simp. Like you putting all your love out there and them not loving you back. Maybe, Um, but yeah, God was the original simp. (laughs) Right, no, seriously. And I actually like that you mentioned it because I feel like, and I'm probably skipping through uh, some questions. There might not be in order right now, but um, you... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that in advance, but uh, no, you mentioned a really good point. And I think that like, um, maybe this generation kind of, what's, how should I put this? Kind of looks at love in a way where if you give, like you said, if you give too much of it, you're like, you're a simp. You know, they kind of make it visual or visualize it in a way where it's like um it's too much you can't give too much love because it's like impossible you know and if you give too much love then something's wrong here maybe you're trying too hard maybe you know and so how would you explain to someone that it's okay to love unconditionally no matter what someone has ever done to you no matter you know what I mean how do you explain that love and all the expressions of it are the most divine activity we can ever participate in. Mm -hmm. Unconditional love for my brother, my sister, my sibling is the most God-breathed act that we can participate in. It is a joy. It is something that we should welcome. It is something that makes us feel close, near, like him. Um, So I would say embrace it. I know what it's like, even if you're thinking in a romantic sense, oh, you catch feelings too quick or don't don't show them that you care that much. Life is too short to not say that you care. Mm -hmm. And I say this to all my friends. I say this to my coworkers at work. I say, oh my gosh, I love you so much. Thank you so much for doing X, Y, Z for me. Or um, I'm so excited to see you this weekend. Um, when I when I get off the phone with my mom, I'll, I'll call back if I forget to say I love you. Like it is, it is something that we should welcome and embrace. And the word says that you will know that they are mine by the way that they love other people mm. unconditionally and free flowing. And maybe it's because of my line of work. I work, I didn't mention this earlier, but it may have been in the bio. I'm not really sure, but I work in geriatrics. So I work with seniors and I work in nursing homes. Um, I work in ministry as well as activities with um, the residents. Um, and I love doing hospice care, which means um, you may be there because you are dying. And that I think contributes to my viewpoint on love and that you should communicate it often. Um, I think that people live with such 
regret um, because I didn't say I love you. And I, and I hate that that is a reality that we perpetuate from such a young age um, saying that, hey, like, I don't want to show someone how much I love them. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't compute for me. And I think that even this past week, um, it, it became so clear to me that life is so fleeting, even for young people. Um, we had a vigil on our campus for a student that was killed by a drunk driver and may God rest their soul. But when it comes down to it, we are not promised tomorrow. Right. So please love freely, <laughs> love unconditionally and tell people that you love them. Um, there's a, there's a theory, um, that Erickson, um, who's a researcher, um, put together in terms of the different, um, dualities that exist throughout the human lifespan. And there's one towards the end of life that's either integrity or despair. Integrity, meaning that I lived a life I was proud of. I loved unconditionally. I told people that I was sorry, these kinds of things. And then there's despair, which is the opposite side of the coin, that I didn't do that. And that's not just for people in their 80s, 90s, 100 years old. That's for us to think about every single day as we embrace the fact that our days are numbered. So love like your days are numbered. I think I would say that. Wow, I really like that. And also, there's something that you've mentioned, um, and I just wanted to add on to it. Um, it's okay to love. And for anyone listening, it's okay to love unconditionally. And then my my question that I was going to ask is that, do you think that people are afraid to love um, other people and unconditionally at that? Because they have not been shown what love truly is so they're almost like afraid of the the word love um how would you answer that oh being afraid of it absolutely I think we all are I think it's a scary endeavor especially when we are not God and we don't know the outcome so I would say yeah it's scary but lean into the scary lean into the discomfort because often the greatest joys rest on the other side of our greatest risks. And I think that if you think about any really close friend that you met by happenstance, that you just went up and, you know, talked to them or asked to borrow a pen in a glass, that could have been a risk. They could have turned the other way or said, ew, why is this person talking to me? But now you're best friends, you know? So I think I would reflect on the moments where you took the risk and it was worth it. Um, and it won't always be worth it. And sometimes you'll fall and scrape your knee, but God is there to dust you off um, and to support you in that journey. I think that love is scary. It absolutely is, especially when you haven't seen it demonstrated in your own life. And I think that's why the word of God exists for us to turn to see what love is supposed to look like. It is patient. It is kind. It doesn't boast. It keeps no record of wrongs. These kinds of things are, are opportunities for us to get to know God's character deeper and to love him more fully. And I think that embracing God's love for us and, and using it as a model as often as we can will assist us in discerning who is worthy of our vulnerability and who is there to welcome us with open arms. Um, but you know, when you when you extend, sometimes you gotta dust off your sandals like the word says and keep it pushing. But at the end of the day, 
I know I put my all in. I know that I'm still authentically myself. I know I'm still loving as Christ loves. So that's enough consolation for me not to build a brick wall after that because right. it didn't go the way that I'd hoped. So I think that that's what I would say. Um, and I would just say, just love freely <laughs> because you know sometimes it really is scary, but it's worth it, I promise you. Even if you stumble across one person in that life of yours that, that is gonna reciprocate it, that's worth it enough because you get to participate in the love that God displays. <laughs> no, that was a really good answer. And sorry, this is an answer that just came up in my in my thoughts. And I think this could help anyone who may be in that situation right now. But how would you encourage someone to keep on loving after they've been hurt by someone else? Oh, my first sermon I ever gave was on forgiveness. It was the first word on seven last words um, service that I was participating in. I was 14 years old and I didn't realize until later in my life and journey with ministry that that is the, the greatest sermon I think one could ever um, preach in the sense that forgive is the sermon not because of anything that I created or anything that I constructed, but because of forgiveness alone. Um, it is the most, the most God-like act that we can participate in. So I think that it is, it is an expression of love. So that's why I use the same language because it is divine. Um, I think forgiveness is hard, but it brings us so near to God in that process because he forgave us first and we then get to put on the full armor of God. We get to wrap ourselves in his love and grace and light and embrace who he is, which is who we are. Um, I think that I would say to someone who has been hurt, that I'm sorry it happened. It was not okay. They should not have hurt you. I wish it didn't happen. I wish that you didn't have to go through the pain that you did, but I pray that it revealed something to you about yourself and to something about the God that loves you, so much so that you can look back on it with redemption and love. And for you to see that situation and say, it didn't break me. Instead, it brought me nearer to this God that loves me. And I know that that sounds cliche or it might not resonate right now, but from coming from someone who's been hurt before, I promise you, knowing that you're nearer to God is enough, <laughs> enough consolation some days than anything I could sit here and tell you. I think that forgiveness is the one message I would have to the world. I think that our world, even from a social standpoint, would be so much further along if we learned to forgive one another. Um, so practice that in your day-to-day -day interactions and embrace opportunities to do so um, because you, my sibling are like God in doing so. And that, and that should make you have joy in your heart. Um, and I hope that you do. <laughs> and I'm sorry again that it happened because I know 
it hurts and it stings, but you won't stay there forever. And the deepest valleys often are followed by the greatest mountaintops to see. Mm, Exactly. No, I love that. I love that a lot. And when you brought up forgiveness, um, this is something that I had to learn for myself um, and I try to tell as many people as I can because it's something that freed me. But um, one of the things that comes to mind, especially with co- when it comes to forgiveness and also love is that um, no matter what we do, God forgives us. And so if we expect God to forgive us, you know, we have to also reciprocate that to other people. We need to be able to forgive other people if we want God to forgive us because we're human beings, we make mistakes and stuff like that, but because we're, nobody's perfect. And so if God is able to give us that grace, we should be able to give that grace to other people and turning that over to love. If God loves us messed up as we are, right, we should be able to love one another. And I know like it seems impossible sometimes, especially for certain individuals, but um, this is really where God comes in. So for someone who may feel distant from God's love because of various things Um, and for someone who might be like I cannot feel God's love how can I feel God's love how would you tell them it feels like how would you tell them it's around them even if they they're not you know they don't feel it right now for whatever reason you know and the reason I'm asking is because you said sometimes it's not that God moved it's because we did so how do you mix make someone realize that and show them that God is, you know, around you. Maybe there's some something you need to do to gain to gain back the access or whatever. I think something I want to mention is that when I say we moved, that doesn't necessarily mean we saw God and we ran the other way. It can mean <laughs> that we became so engulfed in another activity and another person right. that it made it hard for us to even remember God was around in the vicinity in the neighborhood and that can disorient us not intentionally but it can make us feel like I feel like I don't have access to God right now why does he feel far from me Um, and to be perfectly honest with you I felt that way today and I was a little nervous to talk with you today just because I was like wow I feel like I haven't I haven't felt God's presence lately. Life has been very busy and I, I wish that I would have spent more time with God before entering this space today. But you know, that's the good news. It's always accessible regardless. If we, if we feel like we are miles apart, we can just turn and there he is again. So I think that, that is, that's a real worry and it's a real it's a real uncomfortable feeling to feel like God is far from you. But I promise you, it's, how do I say this? It doesn't take as long to come back as it did to leave. So let's say you've been away from God for a week, a month, a year, years. It doesn't take that long to come back. God is right where you left him. So I think that I would assure that person that it's, it's not as far as it seems. And if you'd like to access him, the word says, seek and you will find. Pray for people to enter your life that will demonstrate God's love to you. Um, help him to help, um, pray for help to see 
God's love and creation around you, whatever is accessible to you, I promise you God's love is there. Um, so I would just pray for that and know that it's not as it's not as great of an undertaking as it feels because it feels like sometimes even when, when with our relationships with people, and I think this is why it's important to remember that God doesn't love like people do. Say that you and I are friends and we haven't talked in a really long time. And I, I want to call you, but I feel like you're going to be like, oh, like, what if she doesn't want to talk to me? It has, it's been a really long time. Um, what if she thinks I'm just calling her because I want something like, you know, what, you know what I'm saying? So, so that's the difference between our love for people and our relationships with people and our relationships with God, because God says every day I stand at the door and I knock and I wait for you and I'm waiting with open arms for when you'll return. So don't think that I'm going to be like, no, I don't want to talk to you because you forgot about me and you didn't appreciate my sacrifice for you and you abused my grace and you, you suck and I don't like you. That's not how God operates. That's not how God operates at all. And that's the good news because then, you know, every day I wake up, Every time I breathe a new breath into my body, I know that God's love is even closer than that. God's love is even closer than my next breath. And that is comforting to me because I don't have to search very long. I don't have to look very far. God is always right there. So I hope that that helps. And just know that if you seek him, you'll find him. He wants to be found. He's not running from you. It's so funny when I hear songs like chasing after Jesus. I'm like, Jesus isn't running from you. Why would Jesus be running from you? Uh, right. Like, just no, Jesus ain't running. Jesus is right there. <laughs> He's there when you need him. So there's a question I get a lot about God's love. Okay. And um, it's if God loves us, then why does he allow like pain, suffering and all of that stuff to happen to us in our lives, knowing that it could hurt his children that he so-called loves? Oh, girl. Uh, there's <laughs> and I think you should watch it. It's called The Shack and it tore me up. I don't know if you've seen it, but um, I would just say watch it. I'm not going to give a synopsis go watch the shack. But before I, I get into that, I think there are a couple of distinctions that need to be made. God does not orchestrate pain. God does not like cook it up to like send to us and be like, you know what would really like mix up her week or like really just throw Amaria for a loop on this Tuesday. No, that is not what God is doing. God would never do that because that's not what God's about. God is good. But that's the thing. That's the other distinction that God is good. Um, and while he doesn't orchestrate the suffering, God redeems all suffering. Um, the pain that we endure feels really, really crummy, <laughs> like really bad and doesn't, doesn't feel good at all. But that doesn't mean that God sent it. But I think that God... God is the God of the outliers, the outlier moments. The, the God is the reason that we can laugh in the face of suffering. God is the reason that we can, can go outside and hear birds chirping after a night of stress or overwhelm. God is the outlier. Um, that's from personal experience. That's not anything I read. That's not anything I was told. That's something that I know for myself. Um, and I know that there's no, <laughs> there is no reason 
why I should have come out of certain situations on the winning side, but it's because God's love was there. And I think that the, that God can do two things or has done two things that I've experienced in my life in the face of pain. There is the God that reaches in and pulls out. There's the victorious God that is always, always bringing us out with the victory. And these things can work simultaneously, but there's also the God that is there. And I talk about it a lot. It's not a real word, but I'm going to say it today. And it's the thereness of God that I love most about God. And it's the fact that anytime I was in pain, anytime I was in, in a moment of suffering, I know that I can look back and say, but God was there with me. And I think that that is the point I would stress when we think about pain and suffering, because it would be worse. <laughs> it would be unbearable. It would be insurmountable if we were doing it alone, but we're never alone. And I think that that is, is an important distinction to be made. There's, there's a book that I really like too, and, and I'm sure C.S. Lewis would do a much better job saying this than I, so forgive me because I'm still figuring things out myself. And I told him, Maria, I'm like, girl, these are some tough questions and I'm still figuring it out. And I think that's okay. But there's a book called The Problem of Pain. Um, and in that book, there is a quote and it reads, let me read it for you because I don't want to misquote it. And it says something important about pain that I think is helpful. So it says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I think that it is not God's choice instrument, but God can use it though. And I think that that is the important um, piece that I want us to understand is that pain that we experience as much as it is unpleasant, as much as it is, it is the worst possible thing in the moment, it often reveals something new about God's character and that is the Christian journey. That is the goal, is to arrive at a nearness of God that we can appreciate and that we can achieve in this life. And I think that pain, as much as I would hate to admit it, often <laughs> is the vehicle through which I arrive at God's deepest love for me. I don't know how God does it. <laughs> I wish I could explain the recipe to you, but I believe that that vehicle of, of really the darkest hours really are where God's light shines the brightest. And I hope, I hope, <laughs> I hope you don't have to experience too many dark hours, but I will say, I pray that the light shines brightly for you in those moments. I definitely relate to um, the last part for me as well. Even going through difficult situations where it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that someone is loving me in this moment. It shouldn't be that someone is loving me in this low, at the low point of my life, right? 
but yet God still takes the time to speak to me. He still takes the time to comfort me um, and, and just do a bunch of stuff. And it really shows me, wow, if you're still with me in the valley, right, you're still with me in this difficult situation, you're still by my side, you're still able to, to give me strength and give me courage and give me um, bravery to, to just you know, continue to keep on going in, in this situation, like that's love, that's love, you know, for him to not leave me or anyone. And in, in these type of situations is, it, it shows me that, oh, you really do care, because you're not going to leave your child, right? You really do care. So no, yeah, girl, because sometimes, sometimes the pain is my fault. You know <laughs> yeah, true. It's not because God sent it. It's because I was acting foolish and mm. I put myself in a situation where now I'm hurt and I'm upset. And God could be like, I told you so, or or whatever else that we we on earth would say to each other or be thinking in our heads. But that's not what God does. God right. put you in it. He says, if you make your bed in hell, I will be right there with you. You know? Oh, girl. Because, because I wish... I wish I knew, I knew then what I, what I knew now, but I know that it it takes time, but, but God was there. God was in it. God was in it with me. And there are times that literally the only thing that got me out of the situation was knowing that God was right there. Yeah, no, I, I really, I really relate to that a lot. Like you said, he could have left, he could have left us, but you know, he stays right there. So yeah. Okay. I'll go to the next question. Um, so how, actually, let me ask this one. Do you think that the church and church people properly demonstrate the love of God, the agape love of God to sinners and just members in the church? <laughs> Good question. Um, honestly. <laughs> I'm conscious, I am conscious of the word or, or like the phrase, the church, because I haven't attended every church, but mm. I can speak for for situations that I've been in um, or, or people that I've interacted with. But I will, I will preface this saying that, that I hope that people know that if you interact with one bad representative of God, that is not representative of who God is. Um, that is not God's character. Um, and I, and I want to speak to that because church hurt is very real. And if you have experienced um, a door slam in the face um, from the church or someone in the church, just know that that's not how God operates. So I'll preface it with that. Um, I think that we do very well with hospitality. Um, I don't know if we do as well with love, um, agape love that is. I think we, we open our doors to an extent sometimes, but sometimes we can, we can do better. I think we can do better, but we can always do better because we're flawed. And that's, that's kind of how, that's kind of how humans are set up. So I'll say that, but I think that in terms of achieving the agape love that God would have us to display, I think that we need to embrace more opportunities to eliminate power dynamics and just simply be people to people, um, to view people as people, to to view ourselves as merely people, and not as clergy leader, whomever. Just be the person that God created you to be. Um, and I think that that is something I would like the church to do more: is is eliminate the hierarchy a little bit. Um, 
enough for love to flow freely. Um, yeah, I think, I think we're getting there. I think we have a lot of work to do, but then again, it's person to person. So everyone, uh, I just think of humans as stories wrapped in skin. Um, so obviously if I interact with you, I'm interacting with all you've been through and vice versa. So I'm not sure if I'm being honest, how we achieve that outside of looking to Jesus um, and looking to his example of unconditional agape love. I think that we can do a lot better um, in how we welcome people in our doors. But I think that sometimes we can be picky fishermen um, and we can kind of want people at their their Paul kind of state rather than their Saul state. Um, and we're just kind of get well and then come back when you feel better. But that's what we're supposed to be in the business of doing. So I think that we can do a better job at that um, and loving people as, as Christ would. But that that's a huge undertaking, but that's also our birthmark. And that is how people know that we're with Jesus. <laughs> so we need to do a better job at doing that because then that doesn't make us different from any other organization, any other business, any other group. Um, that's what makes us different is how we love one another. So I think I would just, I would charge the church to reflect on that. But I would say there's a difference between being hospitable and being loving, if that makes sense. Because yeah. I can be nice to you and ask you if you want some water, or like if you, you know, need a fan, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I love you. Right. <laughs> I don't know how to, ex I hope that that makes sense. I hope that that makes sense. Maybe it, like if you think about it through the lens of like who you tip at a restaurant and who you don't, <laughs> like, or who you tip better and who you don't tip as well. Um, if you're thinking about like a server at a restaurant, then there's the one that like just kind of puts the food on the table and leaves or the ones that like sits and then, you know, spends time with you and asks you if you need anything or um, how was your experience or, you know, how's your day or it kind of engages more. So I think that we should be the, the servers that you tip. <laughs> I hope that that makes That's sense. actually a good way to, to <laughs> illustrate that. I actually never thought of that before. That's, that's really good. I would take that when I need to explain it because no it's actually really a good example I think too for me how I would answer the question just to um give my point on that because that's one of my um favorite questions to answer when I'm in groups of other Christians or other believers this is something that we talk about often and I think that the way you mentioned it was really 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 good like the church has the hospitality part like you know the the okay give to the poor and you know if someone's thirsty give them something to drink you know but when we're talking about people who need to understand what love is through not just actions um of hospitality like you say but also in the way we speak right and and, and the way we educate and the way we um uh condemn the way we correct those other actions too need that agape love because like you said the hospital hospitality part has been um 
We got it to the T. I feel like that's something the church got, you know, no matter what denomination, we got that for it. We got it going on. We'll get you in the door now. We'll make right. you feel comfy. But then what happens next? And I think that I love the quote um, by Maya Angelou. Um, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made, made them feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, people will never forget that lasting feeling of oh that person made me really feel safe or that person made me really feel loved and I think that that is the heart part that is the work that we need to do on people's hearts um and not just like oh this is what I think we do well with the work of our hands but not as much with the heart work so I think that that is something that we can work on um, right. I, I, I'm proud of this generation of believers, though. I think we're, we're really doing okay with that. I, I think we're doing well. I think we like to make people feel safe um, and make people feel loved. So I'll, I'll give us a, a hats off to that. I, I think that we do an right. okay job at that. I think the church is in good hands in terms of really loving. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That might just be a guess. But from my from my perspective, I, I love us. I think I'm a I'm a Gen Z advocate. I think we're pretty, <laughs> I think we're pretty cool. <laughs> no, we're doing really good in that area. I'm not even gonna lie. Uh, I think that um, I think a lot of us realize what was missing or what we we've probably been done. To two we have probably not been treated right in in a certain area i know a lot of people have experienced hurt but they love god love god so much that they don't want to like replicate that those actions so they try to do better that's what i i noticed about this generation right because we we know the love of god so we want other people to experience it but we don't want them to experience the, the way you know what i mean so yeah <laughs> so yeah no so the last question i have is how do we love like God? So I know a lot of people, they 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 really want to know like, how can I love unconditionally, and how can I love everyone, and what does that love look like? What do I have to do? What what do I have to say? What are the actions that I have to take to give out that agape love that God has given me that He He expects me to give to other people? There's so many things, but I think I would start with. Hmm. I would see them like Jesus. I would see them like a child of God. And how would you handle a child of God if someone handed you a baby and says, hey, this is God's child, take good care of it. I think that, <laughs> take good care of them, not it. Um, I think that you should treat people delicately. I think people deserve to be handled delicately. Um, and, and while, while, um, Jesus did not come to bring peace, but a sword, um, in terms of fighting against sin and, and the awful, um, things that come with that, I think that people deserve to be handled with care. That doesn't necessarily mean that we condone everything that they do, but I think that you can approach it as Christ would with grace and truth, um, with love and and a reality check every now and then i think that loving as christ loved is recognizing to love god pardon me sorry to love people deeply is to know god closely and to welcome any opportunity to know god closely means me loving people as as well as i can 
um, and as openly and as cheerfully as I can. That means apologizing when I'm wrong. That means having difficult conversations, even when it doesn't feel comfortable for me. Um, it means it means doing the right thing, doing right by people, treating them well, treating them as you would like to be treated. Um, and it seems very like kindergarten golden rule, but I don't think some adults have it down yet. So treat people as you would like to be treated. <laughs> um, I would I would say I love you often in the way that feels right to you, whether that's I appreciate you, I value you, I validate your feelings. Um, thank you for sharing this with me, welcoming opportunities for empathy and connection. Um, I think Jesus was really big on connection. Um, I think that leaning into moments where we, we don't know the outcome, we don't know if it will be reciprocated, but saying, you know what, I'm going to extend this love. Um, I think that, that, that that's a good place to start. Be nice, <laughs> be kind, um, forgive. Um, I think be kind recklessly, <laughs> be kind in a radical manner. Um, every day, look for an opportunity to be kind to someone. Um, compliment people when you see them in the street. Um, tell them that they're beautiful because they are. Um, tell yourself that you're beautiful because you are. Um, love yourself, take care of yourself. Um, I think that that is loving as Christ would love. Um, yeah, love with a big heart, love with an open heart, love without apology. Do not apologize for loving openly, for being a simp, for catching feelings, even if it's catching feelings platonically, like, oh, wow, I really love being around this person. Do it. <laughs> love them. Um, and I pray that you feel that love that you deserve back. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think that that would be how you love as Christ did. Um, but love when it doesn't make sense. Love when you shouldn't love your enemies, love people that don't quote unquote deserve it. Um, talk to people that you don't agree with and come away with recognizing that they deserve God's love too. And that God looks at them the same way that God looks at you. Um, that's, I think, I think maybe that's the hardest thing I would say to, um, to our generation, to people, to humanity look at your neighbor knowing that God looks at them the way that God looks at you, the way that you say, oh, God loves me so much. I'm so grateful God loves me so much. God loves them just as much, even if they don't share your viewpoint, um, whether that be politically, whether that be their favorite pizza topping, God loves them just as much as you. So treat them the way that God would handle them with care and love. Um, I think that's what I would say. But yes, I love y'all very much. And thank you for sharing in dialogue with me today. <laughs> well, that was actually the end of my questions. And I'm super grateful to have you um, share 
more in depth about what agape love means, what unconditional love means, what love means, and what God's love means. I'm really grateful that you came to talk about it, um, and hopefully we'll have another discussion again soon, but I just wanted to thank yeah, you so I much. I love that. Please come share with us. I'm usually not in this seat. I'm usually the one asking the question, so I hope I did okay. <laughs> You're in uh, the hot seat now. <laughs> yes, I was like, I hope I did okay, but did you want to pray still? Yes, I would like for you, Jordan, to please close us off in prayer for anyone who is struggling with loving, whether it's someone who has hurt them, wronged them, someone who they've loved, who they feel like isn't reciprocating that love, anyone who's just struggling in this area. Um, please bow your heads and close your eyes if it is safe to do so. Dear Heavenly Father, our Father, our friend, our friend closer than a brother, God, we thank you for being the original example of what love is. God, I ask that you speak to hearts today in a way that I cannot. God, I ask that you continue to display your love in ways that we can recognize. God, show who's listening what your love looks like in the way that you would have them to receive it, in the way that you know them better than I in a way that they'll see it, they'll hear it loud and clear. God, we thank you for being a God that leaves the 99 to chase the one. God, we thank you for being a God that waits for us with open arms, that knocks every single day at the doors of our hearts. God, we thank you that you have welcomed us into your family, that you want us to be in relationship with you. We thank you that you, as much as we are seeking you, you are seeking us also. And God, for anyone that's experienced harm, that has experienced hurt, that has experienced the door slam in the face in terms of church hurt, in terms of interpersonal relationships, whatever it may be, God, I ask that you wrap your loving arms around them and that you show them the true definition of love that you love them with an everlasting love, that you show up for them every single day, that you tell them that you love them and that they are yours, that you are beholding them with love at all times and that they are close to you always and that your love is closer to them than their next breath. God, we thank you and we love you so, so much. And whatever it is that you wanted us to hear today, help it to resonate in our mind, to echo in our mind throughout the entire week. Help us to hear you clearly in ways that we can express to others so they can know your love also. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. amen.